Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, I'm delighted to share a conversation I had with John Howard, who is one of the most accomplished property developers, traders and investors in the UK today, with over four decades of experience in the industry. John's proficiency stems from the purchase and sale of over 3,500 houses, apartments and developments within the UK. He's also a best-selling author, uh, very generous with his time, and if you want to understand how to survive four decades in the business, then just listen in as he shares his three unbreakable rules, along with his personal telephone number if you want to get in touch with him and uh, <laughs> negotiate a deal. So he's, uh, he's, quite, he's quite a character, I have to say, and I'm really, I really think you're going to enjoy this one, which will be the last in the, in the Property Heavyweight series coming right up. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Here we are again. It's uh, Richard Brown, obviously, from the Property Voice podcast. And uh, part of my series at the moment, I'm titling Property Heavyweight, just about launched. I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the call today by John Howard, who's a very, very experienced developer and has got other aspects to uh, to his experience. John, first of all, hi. How are you doing? Are you well? Um, very well, Richard. I'm not sure you should be calling me a heavyweight. I've been 12 stone <laughs> Since I've been 21 years old, dead on 12 stone since 21. Well, that might be that might be quite a part of it, actually. Maybe leading up one style. Who knows? Well, I try to. I don't drink and I don't smoke. That's for sure. There we go. So it might be part of the uh, secret. That's a good start. It doesn't yeah. always doesn't always guarantee success, mind you. I can't uh, suggest that. No, 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 indeed. But thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sure, pleasure. Um, it's a pleasure. Our audience is going to look forward to it. We had a, a very short chat before I hit record. And um, yeah. already, I think we're going to have some interesting uh, points to discuss. But what, what would be really useful, and, and you know, my, my audience is used to this, so they're going to be familiar with the question I'm about to ask you, which is, I usually just try and get a bit of a, a context of, of a guest I, I, I'm talking with. Um, would you mind maybe taking us through your, your backstory and uh, your journey, if, you, if I can use that horrible phrase, um, in, in property over the, I know, it's, it's, I know it's a couple of years. Would you mind taking us through that? Yeah, no, I can. I, I mean, I can briefly take you through. I don't know how long you, you, you want me to spend doing that, but, but I'll start. And you, and you tell me when to stop, Richard, is the answer. Okay. Um, so so um, my father was a greengrocer in Felixstowe. And uh, when he was 60, he decided he'd like to be an estate agent which was a bit strange because obviously everyone knew him as a, green, a good greengrocer. They didn't know him as an estate agent. And obviously they said when he was came to value the house, well, how do you know what you're doing? You're a greengrocer. But anyway, he bought a business, an existing business. And in the holidays, when I was like 10, 11, 12, I used to cycle around and uh, note where all the for sale boards were. I used to get 50 pence a time for doing that. And then and then he would go and door knock, which is exactly what I still, we still do now with some of the estate agents we own, uh, and try and get them on the market. So I was doing that when I was 10, 11, 12, holding the tape for him because in those days, of course, you had a, mm-hmm. uh, a metal tape or, or, or a, um, material tape to hold the, 
the, you know to measure the measure the rooms and everything mm-hmm. these days it's all you just press a button on a on, on a on a infrared light comes on so i did all that so i had a really really good grounding richard uh, and then when i was um when i was 70 and i joined my father in his business very small business uh, one man and a secretary really at the time and um he he'd been ill and the business was there wasn't really any business hardly at all so but after four months he went back in the hospital so i ended up running the business myself at 17 years four months which was you could argue was a baptism of fire mm. um i didn't do very well but i i kept kept it going and we had a at the time we did property management a bit of that which is great experience we did uh we had a building society um agency as well in those days um estate agents quite often also acted as the local building society so we did that as well and we did insurance brokers uh we're insurance brokers as too so i got a really good grounding and we mm. were losing money which is even better so <laughs> you know there's no better way of learning they say you learn more about yourself when things go wrong than when things go right that's for sure mm-hmm. a bit like a football team so um so i so so my father um came out of hospital and then um by then i realized quite quickly that i i wanted to buy and sell property rather than uh be on the other end of all the criticism from buyers and sellers to be honest with you yeah. uh, and i just thought it was a much better way of uh, of making a living so um on my 18th birthday i managed to um borrow some money from my mother and uh, borrowed some money from the bank. And in those days, you used to have a bank manager you could go and talk to. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, he knew my family and so on. And he lent me some money to buy two sitting tenanted uh, um, flats within a freehold building, uh, which was the rump end of a property deal that uh, another property developer had. And he let, me, he let me buy it off him. So I bought that one on my 18th birthday and I sold it within six weeks to one of the flats to the tenant persuaded the tent to buy it so i think i paid nine and a half thousand for the pair and i got eight thousand two fifty i think back for um for one of the properties and then i sold the other property a year later so that was a great start and and, and as i i say in some of my seminars richard the if you if you buy money off the off your family make sure uh that you give them a decent interest rate on the money and also that you give them a small share of the profit. Because guess what? My mother was delighted to lend me the money, some money again for my next deal, as was the bank manager. So, and then that just rolled on and rolled on, really. And I ended up buying the business off my father when I was 19, changed the name um, to my name, and it improved greatly. And then I sold the business when I was 24 to my manager. I brought in I brought in a guy who I knew his father had some money, so I thought hopefully he'd buy it, and he did. Um, and then I met, because when I was 24, I met a guy called Robert Boyce, who, um, very wealthy um, backer, really. Um, and I still do deals with the family today. And they own the thing called the Holiday Property Bond and many, many other things as well. And um, we started buying bigger, bigger houses in flats. Flats was my thing. So we started buying a lot of bigger flat blocks of flats and things like that. And then eventually, um, two years later, I had the chance to buy a tower block in Ipswich, of, um, which consisted of 107 flats, which I did with my backer. Mm-hmm. And we, we made £987,000 profit on the oh, deal wow. within two years after tax. 
and after all costs and I always go on about all costs because all costs do mean all costs they don't mean oh I missed out the solicitor's fees or I missed out what we spent with the agent or everything and from there we went around the country buying local tower blocks of local authorities um, and we did quite a few of those and sold them off individually successfully um, the flats and then um, the 92 recession came and we survived the recession um, but learnt a lot obviously in the process and then we started buying uh, a lot of a lot of uh, listed buildings which were difficult to um, that other people didn't want to do really because they were difficult to convert we became quite specialised in, in 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 dealing with um, listed buildings and um, convert them into in, back into houses and flats. Uh, a, a, another type of um, difficult difficult projects really. Mm. So that's what we did. I did right up through uh, to 2000 and beyond. Um, and I've just I've, I'm a bit like Forrest Gump. I just keep on going. <laughs> or as someone described me as a Volvo with 200,000 miles on the clock, but still going. Um, never bought in London. If I bought in London, I'd probably be an Aston Martin with low mileage parked <laughs> up in Jersey somewhere, but um, I didn't do that. So uh, so that brings you really right through. Um, in the mean, it, During that time, I, I was a director of Cambridge United for 18 years, ah, football club, and I bought the ground the with my partner yeah. uh, as well. And then we sold it on to Grosvenor Estates um, and Wells of I bought, which is a bit different. I ran a racing yard at home. Uh, the property recession 2008 came, survived that quite easily, uh, called the market right um, and uh, decided to train racehorses from home, which wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be, to be fair. But at the same time, we also bought um, Auction House UK or bought 50% of the shares in Auction House UK which we've run for nine years very successfully, grew it from um, seven licensees because it's like a franchise to uh, 42 and we sold our shares, myself and my partner, sold our shares last year. Um, and two or three years ago, we had the opportunity to buy a property called the Wine Rack on Ipswich Waterfront, um, which was a skeleton of um, 150 flats the project had stalled in 2008 during the recession bought it three years ago got it funded via the government via some political contacts and bits and bobs I have with the government uh, and a 27 million project uh, which is completing in December this year mm-hmm. how's that Sounds good to me. I mean, um, there's so much as well. And you've covered, uh, if I'm right in thinking, do you, you say you, you span four decades in, in the business. Is that, is that Yeah. Right? So I bought and sold over three and a half thousand properties during that time. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I'm still going, still hungry, um, still want to. I enjoy, I enjoy the deals. The deals, developing, developing property is, um, can be stressful, <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially when there's 150 of them. But, um, I, I quite enjoy that, but my what I really enjoy is buying portfolios, blocks of flats, and things, and selling selling something, selling some to one person, some to another person, and not having to do too much building work. To be honest with you, if I can avoid it. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, yeah. I, can, yeah. I can understand and appreciate that. To be honest. Yeah, well, you just get a bit 
to yeah. the point where you've had enough of it, probably, you know. But uh, I still enjoy the, I enjoy the, I enjoy the chase, and I enjoy the deal, and I love dealing with people, and I love helping people, and and, and that's in the way where I ended up writing the book because I got fed up with all the advice I was hearing people were getting, being given, mm-hmm. and a lot of it I didn't agree with. Um, but um, you know, that's just. Um, well, Hence, just... I wrote the book, and then it's led to all this publicity and and yeah. and. Uh, being on TV and, and a second book coming out and a third book being written and so on. So yeah, yeah, all good fun. Let's talk about the book for a minute. I mean, um, yeah. when I knew, when I was introduced to you by our mutual friend, uh, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa, yeah. Work, um, yeah. I, I, obviously I, I wanted to know more about you. I saw that you'd written a book, property development and investment for newcomers. Yeah. That's your first book. And, um, I had it delivered same day by Amazon. Isn't that a great service, by the way? Uh-huh. Do you know what the, the trouble is? They take an awful lot of my money out of it. You know. Do you know what? You don't end up with much. I much prefer you buy it off my website, JohnHowardPropertyExpert.co.uk. <laughs> I apologise for doing it that way, but no problem, no problem at all. I wanted to read it before I spoke to you. Is the um, is is the reason? So if you'll forgive me. For, uh, <laughs> I'm delighted you have. Thank yeah, you. But at least I bought it. Um, but the the one, there were a few things in there that really stood out to me. Um, so, and, you know, and I think one of the things is clearly you have this uh, interest in helping people. I mean, you're 40, you know, 40, four decades rather in the business and you're writing books yeah. and giving seminars and helping yeah. people. So it's quite obvious you want to give back. Um, you, yeah, I mean, I, enjoy, I, you know, I genuinely enjoy, enjoy. I always have. And, and I've always had lots of people ask me, John, can, you know, what about this? What about that? So, you know, writing a book was the next natural step, really. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, actually. You know, I've done it for so long, and a lot of the people giving advice have done it for so little time that yeah. um, it must be worthy of, of writing, really. Yeah, and that's the point, isn't it? I mean, um, by the way, there's another thing I, I spotted. On your website, um, which is johnhowardpropertyexpert.co.uk, I believe, um, yeah. you've, got your, you've got your mobile number on there. And- yeah. So you don't mind a bit of personal contact? No, I, no. I mean, especially if someone's got a deal they want to sell me, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I'm delighted, Rich, to hear from them. Uh-huh. And we pay two percent finders fee. Um, and we're, you know, always keen to have a deal. There we go then. So there's a, <laughs> there's a plug right there. But um, to get into the book, then, um, yeah, a couple, of things, a couple of angles I'd like to pick up. One is, as you say, you know, the, your qualifications to write such a book. That's you know, that's one angle. But the other angle yeah. is some of the content itself, and uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a property investor who's becoming a property developer myself. Yes, so, I think that. And by the way, Richard, I think there's an awful lot of people like that who who started off investing, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, uh, but have decided that they want to you know step it up a little bit perhaps, or they're mm-hmm. you know the buy to let the buy to let market is a bit stagnant and the growth they've had they're not they don't see a lot more growth in the next few years and want to carry on you know earning earning good money from property um yes. and that's why i think you know um it's caught on a little bit you know yeah no it has and uh yeah and uh, certainly related earlier when you were talking about dealing with trades on on sites and stuff like that so uh yeah take yeah. too far down that, that angle right now but here's a couple of things that really stood out to me when i read your book and I thought, well, first of all there was a very very strong and clear emphasis on getting in and out time in the deal and you, yes. you in particular um it was a revelation for me to actually read this and i've incorporated it into my own processes now for example, you talked about getting the legal pack up to date. 
uh, when you're selling the property on as a developer, so you minimize the time for searches from the buyer's point of view. And yeah. that was that was a gem, first of all. Um, I never really thought of that. And, of course, you, you're just sort of sitting there waiting for them to take 45 days or whatever it is. Absolutely. You, you've got it. You know, do you ever do you ever play? Have you ever played squash, Richard? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with squash, squash, the idea is to control, sit, stand on the team, control the game. And and really, it's as simple whether you're buying or whether you're selling, you need to be in control of the deal. And to be in control of the deal, you need to be the one on the ball and and up to date with all the information. Uh, so so that you can control the, the, the time scale which you want to buy or want to sell that property in. Well, you know, I, I wish I could say um, I could play squash in the way you've just described, but uh, I've certainly admired the people who can control the tea. Uh, but you're yeah, right. Exactly. Me too. Me yeah. too. And by the way, you know, uh, you know, it, it, what I've said is the ideal world. And of course, things happen in any deal. And we have it all the time as well. But of course, if you don't if you don't start off in the right manner, in the right with the right organisation, you'll never be able to achieve what I've suggested. So you know, at least if you start off um, being organised and on the ball, you have a much much better chance of, of actually achieving achieving that in the long run. That's it. I mean, you know, it's like kaizen, isn't it? Reducing waste and stuff. And if you can, absolutely, if you can nick sort of. Four to four to eight weeks, four to six weeks out of the conveyancing process. Absolutely, I mean, you've, everyone pays. Everyone's paying interest on on their loans and everything yeah. else, and also the opportunity. What miss, what opportunities are you missing going forward if you're not, you know, if you can't buy? Yeah. So that's what it's about. The you talk. I'm going to just dive straight into what you just said there, if you don't mind, John, because you said about yeah. everyone's paying interest on a, on a, on the money, etc. Yep. Now, yep. I I had somebody. You know, pose a question towards me a while ago, a couple of years ago actually, was something along the lines of, if if you're a high net worth investor, why do you borrow money? Why do you need to borrow money? So what would you say to that? Well, well, because um, you, what you tend to find is the bigger the companies, the less they use their own money. They use someone else's, in case partly because it all, in case it all goes wrong, of course. Yeah. But but also they use their money for, for, for nice things like buying boats and horses and <laughs> everything else. They tend to use other people's money for property deals because they've got the reputation and uh, and they can do so at relatively low interest rates as well. So that's partly. But also it depends, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's won the it doesn't matter if someone's won the lottery and got millions of pounds in property, you can you can soon spend all your money. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, no one has got um I don't know anyone who 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 can just keep spending 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 money without without borrowing money. So um, and obviously in property, gear, by gearing up what you have, you can buy a lot more, and the opportunities are great. It's much bigger, and the opportunities for making making more money are bigger as well. No, I was expecting you to say that. And so there, I dare say you didn't sink twenty six million into into the uh, development down that you're you're currently involved in right now. I think you were even alluded to the fact that it's being funded by. Um, by the by, the government actually, or government agency. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Homes England. Yeah. I mean, we put our majority. Obviously, we we put our share of the of our capital in, um, like everybody does. But absolutely. Um, the rest has been funded. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and and just sticking with the book one minute, um, if you don't mind. Um, the the other thing that I I was, I just read and reread your statement. I, I don't think I can pull it up to quote you directly or verbatim, but I think you said something on the lines of. 
how many projects you've been involved in that have been delivered both on time and on budget? Do you on time and on budget, both. very few, if any. Yeah, yeah I think you think in the book you actually said none. Um, none. So, and and that's because it's it's especially when you're do, especially when you're com, when you're developing conversion com, you know converting properties because the reason the reason people the reason we got involved in in developing conversion converting properties is that because less people want to do it so because of that the margins ought to be better but the reason that other people don't want to do it quite often is because unlike new build where you can quantify everything down to the last the last door and the last you know the last nail literally these big house builders can tell you to literally to the nearest 100 pounds what it's going to cost them to build a house uh, with conversion, yes, okay, you go and get a fixed price uh, off, uh, we should do, off, a, off a, a decent builder with a sh full schedule of works. But, of course, when they when they pull that plasterboard wall down, they're not sure what they're going to find. So you have to have a decent contingency sum to cover all those costs. Or they might, you know, they might pull the, what they might discover, you know, a well or they might discover a, another fireplace behind a fireplace and, and all all sorts of things all in in certain cases skeletons even which you know in the attic or the or the or in the or in the basement you know when you start digging down all sorts of things can happen so you do need to have a decent contingency sum um within that and that's why it's very hard to come in on time and on budget if not impossible yeah and actually in my seminars and when I talk, I, I, I ask everyone to put the hands up of everyone who's managed to come in on budget and on time. <laughs> and, and nobody's hands go up, not even mine, Richard. No, you know, to be honest with you, when I read it, I was going to put my own hand up saying, oh, I'm sure I have. Then I really thought about it. <laughs> then you think about it and you think, well, actually, I've never quite managed to manage no. both at the no. same time. And yeah, no, so. I manage both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Manage yeah. both. So, Very uh, difficult. But I thought it was refreshing to, to for someone to say that. And yeah. I think it does sort of point towards your um, your honesty and integrity. Well, I've got yeah, and also I've got absolutely nothing to lose, uh, Richard. You know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to upsell to uh, different, you know, to, to fancy three-day seminars. Um, you know, I'm not trying to do anything like that. Particularly, I, you know, if I if I give a summit seminar, I expect to get paid, you know, decent money for what is a very good a very good seminar, hopefully. And um, I'm not looking to sell sell them a weekend away in God knows where, but ten thousand pounds or five thousand pounds <laughs> or whatever other people are trying to do. No, well, sounds like you possibly don't need to um, anyway. Well, there is there is that as well, but, but you know, yeah. to a point. But yeah. at the end of the day, um, you know, it's all about it's all like it's all about um, being decent, I think. And 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 uh, and also, it's not my main it's not my main income, is it? And for a lot of these edu educators, educators, I would describe them as a lot of them. Actually, when you ask them how much property dealing, how much property investment they've done, it's very little. Mm. But they they are very good communicators uh, and marketeers, I would describe them as. Mm. Um, and they do a very good, you know, very good job of selling. And they, a lot of them could be selling diamonds, shares. It wouldn't matter what. It's a lifestyle they're selling, and it's a dream they're selling. Mm -hmm. And of course, some people are some people they sell to are very successful. Uh, at what they're teaching them uh, and they're the ones they get to stand up and say look how I've done it but you know for the for the other 95 percent um it's not so easy probably yeah and you know you kind of point taking us down a sort of a bit of a path there aren't you about um maybe quality maybe regulation I don't know in in a 
in our sector. I think there needs to be some regulation because, I mean, you, you know, you're talking about um, financial big money. Um, people are investing and borrowing and and um, lending money to other people. Mm-hmm. You're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, unlike you know, unlike the financial. Um, side of things you know with pensions and everything else which is highly regulated and rightly so obviously property isn't no uh, and certainly not on the sort of education side of it um I no think, no absolutely i think it's it's it has tightened up a bit probably you i'm sure you're familiar with you know fca coming in and talking about you know can you do a joint venture with a man down the pub you don't know who's just what you might mm. call a retail investor well legally mm. you can't <laughs> but um you know that's what the FCA have, FCA have said. It doesn't necessarily stop it happening, of course. But um, no, it doesn't stop it happening at all. And and actually, how can he stop it happening? You know, and yeah. it, and uh, that people just need, need to be really wary. I mean, why would you lend on it? But if you look at it the other way round, mm. you know, why would you lend uh, your money to someone who has got no or little experience in the field they are trying to? trying to do you know i mean it's madness yeah well total madness i mean why would you do it i mean but but people are doing it i know but why would you yeah and you say well how how many how many property deals have you done oh i haven't done any it's my first one i'm you know i need to borrow a hundred thousand and from you and and what are you putting in oh nothing you know (laughs) it's just unbelievable some of the stories you hear are really quite frightening richard yeah no i mean I, i guess you there are steps you can take potentially to securitize yourself. For example, if you're taking a first charge. Of course charge, you can. You can take a first charge and, yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. But actually, is that good enough? You know, in, in certain cases, yeah. um, you can still lose your money. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There needs to be, you know, certainly caution on behalf of people who, you know, throw themselves into this sort of stuff and also potentially another set of, not a, if I can say it, Another set of eyes may be watching over what we're doing. If I can just take a bridge from that, you you did say yourself that you kind of got a, a started in terms of property with a backer. In fact, it was your mum, wasn't it? Your first backer. Uh, yeah, I mean, my first backer was my mother, and and um, you know, she lent me two and a half, three thousand quid or something, and the bank lent me the the, the balance. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And if it, especially if it's family, but of course, don't forget, I'd been living 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 uh, in, in a house with an estate agent and all the rest of it for you know yeah. eight nine years before I did that, and I was involved on a on a daily basis. But I mean, I you know, and I. Yeah. I'd been, you know, estate agency is a great, great grounding, great grounding. Um, and uh, to be involved um, in, in, in an estate agent prior to getting involved buying and selling yourself or investing is, is, is tremendous. If you, can, if you can do that, you know, and actually, you know, I hear people saying, well, you know, I, I want to give up my job and do it full time. Well, goodness me, you know, you need a lot of properties to do that. Really, yeah. in my view, uh, it's not something you need to do. You can keep your income, which is great, which means you're not having to, you know, delve into your any profits or rent or rents to live off. Uh, it's a far better way of doing it, certainly for the first five to ten years. 
unless you really take off. Um, yeah, different. You can also you get access to funding a lot easier as well, can't you? Because you've got stable access to funding easier, yeah. Richard. The whole yeah. thing's easier. And I and I understand, you know, people the dream of oh yeah, I'm a property developer and I I get up at ten and I I get up at ten, I have lunch at twelve thirty, I'm down the gym in the afternoon and yeah, right. phone goes and I make <laughs> I make quarter of a million and you know, at the end of the day, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I've worked very hard. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, that's not a picture I resonate with. Um, you know, no, exactly. Richard. I, I mean, the, you know, I've got one or two friends who, mm-hmm. who really aren't, aren't quite like that, but they are like that to a great extent. But yeah. they are special, talented people with that, with that uh, charisma. Uh, and they just fall into <laughs> they, they, life is very easy for them. And there are one or two people like that in life. Uh, and we're all a bit envious of them, and they're normally good-looking as well, uh, male or female, and they just everything seems to come easy to them. I don't think in reality it really does, but that's what it, how it appears. Um, but for the, for the rest of me mortals, as we all are, you know, you've got to get stuck in, and you've got to work hard, and uh, and you've got to make the right decisions. You know, it's all about decision making, right decisions at the right time. And people say, oh well, you know, oh I, I heard about that. I could have bought that. Well, you know, tough. <laughs> I bought it. You didn't. You know, yeah. uh, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, they've they've all got the story. Well, of course, I got offered it. Well, you know. Well, uh, it's funny. Even today, talks uh, cheap takes money. To, it talks cheap. It takes money to buy land, doesn't it? Well, it does. And and even today, somebody um, somebody offered me a property. I've got a plot today, basically. I'll, I'll come back on topic in a second. But somebody offered me a, a plot today. And um, long story short, you know, I'm going to be paying a, a premium above what they paid for it. Uh, do I begrudge yeah. them um, for buying it cheap? Well, um, not Richard, really. I have to say, I never begrudge anybody. Yeah. I'm very happy to take a profit of, well, first of all, I'm happy to take a profit of someone, and mm. I'm also happy if they make a profit of me. I'm, I'm confident of, with my ability. So I don't, have a, I don't have a grudge with anyone that's making a profit. And the biggest person or the largest pro to profit anyone made of me was when we bought two tower blocks in West Brom, 280 flats. And the guy had paid 75000 each for these two tower blocks six months earlier in 1990. And we paid him $1.5 million for them six months later. Mm-hmm. So that's a deal of a lifetime for him. Absolutely. And in the end, he, yeah. he, in the end, he, he, put, he pushed me up another fifty grand in the end. <laughs> and otherwise, he wouldn't do the deal. And the reason he got them so cheap was because in those days, a lot of local authorities believe that they were unmortgageable, these tower blocks, and they had to be blown up. And to blow them up cost half a million pounds. So if someone gave them, gave them some money for them, it's a real bonus to them. But we realized um, that they didn't need to be blown up and, and they could be refurbished and building sites would lend on them. So that's, that's and, and, and you, always need, you always need an angle. But of course, eventually, lots of people catch on to that angle. So you have to move on to another one. And for us, it was it was converting list of buildings from that, that from were offices, um, sorry, were houses originally, uh, but are made into offices or shops back into houses and flats. Mm-hmm. That was another angle, you know. So you have to reinvent yourself a little bit every few years sometimes, uh, as people catch on to what you're doing. 
Well, that's a really interesting point you've made there, right there, to be honest, John. I, I wanted to come to that because obviously one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and to some of the other, I'm going to call them heavyweights. You're not a heavyweight in that category. We've got that out of the way, but certainly in terms of your experience and achievement in, in the property sector. What I, how I describe myself is, is one of the most experienced uh, property developers uh, in, invested in the UK today, not the most successful. Ah, okay. Well, that's, um, There's that's, always someone more, much more successful in life, whatever you're doing. Understood. Um, um, but yeah. I think where I was going with with the um, with the point was, and, and you kind of touched on it, was about reinventing yourself, finding an angle. So if people are yeah. interested in in scaling, you know, and, and perhaps maybe to emulate um, someone such as yourself, yeah. Um, yeah. what sort of tips might you you know give them? Well, what I would say is, is it's much easier to buy five properties and make money than it is out of one because you've got options. So if this, you're buying five, first of all, you're probably getting a better discount because you are buying five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second thing is you've got the ability perhaps to sell three and keep two or yeah. sell two and keep three or refinance the lot or, you know, so there's, there's more options normally if, you know, if you've got, um, if, you, if you're buying a number of things rather than just buying one of them, uh, and, and and you're likely to likely to you're moving into a different league, so it's a league where there's more hard-nosed developers in it, investors, rather than with all due respect to a lot of them, I would consider a lot of the people I speak to, and I think they would themselves as amateur investors. Mm-hmm. So you're going up a league, you're going into the you know, not the big league by any means, but you're certainly going up. You know, from say, um, you know, Division Four to Division Three, mm-hmm. uh, and in Division Three, you know, there are there are better players around, and they know what they're doing, and it's it's a bit more hard nosed, and people aren't going to do it unless they're going to make money. And I mean, I I have so many people speak to me and says, oh, you know, um, I'm making. I said, well, how much are you making on this deal? Well, hopefully five to ten percent. Well, I'm not being funny, Richard. Five to ten percent is no profit. No. no profit, because if something goes ti- a tiny thing goes wrong, you're making nothing. You need to be starting starting at netting 20% out mm-hmm. of any deal, and really you need to be doing better than that. And they say, well, I, you know, they say to me, well, I can't find those deals. I can't do those deals. Well, ha- look a bit harder. You know, <laughs> look a bit harder. Um, and you, they're there. Your 20% is they're that there. 20% on on total cost. Yeah, twenty percent total cost. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 you know, at the end of the day, um, but but it, it, it's it, it's really really important that you're that, that you're disciplined. And I I have a three unbreakable rules. Mm-hmm. One is if I can't buy and buy it and sell it, having just bought it, I won't buy it. Mm-hmm. If I can't buy it, refurbish it and sell it, and, and and make a good profit, I won't do it. And if I can't buy it, refurbish it let it and refinance it and get most most my uh, capital back i won't do it so they're my three unbreakable rules mm-hmm. and and um and i've had i've taken a lot of stick for those three rules because people say well it's all right for you so well no it's it's they're three rules that you need to stick you need to stick by but people are so keen just to buy the first thing they see almost you know you've got to be disciplined I'm a deal junkie. Sometimes I don't buy anything for nine months. Yeah, I hate it, but but I'm disciplined, and you must be disciplined. Otherwise, you know, you could buy, you could go and buy ten property deals in a year and make nothing, or you can do one better deal and make a profit. 
I mean, that, that, that's really good advice. I mean, first of all, you're talking about buying, getting a discount going in, which is your first rule, and then at least two yeah. exits, which is your second and third rule. So can you can yeah. you refurbish and sell it, or can you refurbish it and rent it and pull out? And yeah. Or can you buy and sell it immediately? Because if you can't buy and sell it immediately, having bought it, you pay too much, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Surely. You've got a discount. Yeah, so there's three. Yeah. So there's three. They're, yeah. they're the three options. If you can't do any of those, you know, you need to buy everything well, but well. What is market value? Market value is what someone's willing to pay, I suppose. But I mean, you need an angle. You need to see an angle that other people haven't seen that's going to add value. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be because it's the quantity you're buying. It might be because, you know, they don't think you they can you can get planning on it, but everyone else would. Or, or you get planning, you buy it subject to planning. That's an easy one. That's a complete no-brainer. If you can buy something subject to planning permission, it's a free, free hit, isn't it, really? Um, and you add value to it before you, before you even bought it. That's fantastic to do that. Yeah. Um, so, but I do find that the standards of, of, of the, the lack of, the lack of um, understanding in how to work out a property deal is quite frightening, too. Uh, and you know the lack of um the, the um what's the word i'm looking for the the lack of greediness is the wrong word it's not a word i probably but like you know people you know what i mean you need to make those margins yeah. it's very important because if something goes wrong at 20 percent margin then you're still likely to make a profit if something goes wrong at 10 percent or less you'll make no profit well you'll lose money what happened in 2008, nine, you know, probably exactly, which, you know, exactly, 15%. Uh, and also yeah. depends where you buy in the country. I mean, we had, we've got a very nice block of flats and we've just put another floor on them actually in Brighton uh, and Brighton didn't go down at all during the last recession. Properties mm-hmm. price in Brighton didn't go down. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other areas, they went down 20, 30%. Mm-hmm. So it also depends where you invest, you know, and, and always the last place to go up in value across the country is nearly always the first place to come down mm-hmm. nearly always the when it reaches up, yeah. mm-hmm. some godforsaken place yeah yeah then you know that we're top of the market really and the oh. it's going to come down so you're saying the ripple yeah. effect <laughs> the ripple effect goes out it goes out very slowly but it goes go, normally it goes out from london yeah. across the uk yeah. south more than north obviously because there's more population north and sorry in south and people live in the south more um but you know at the end of the day once it's re- reached some you know very very modest very very modest area then i'd be very cautious mm. that um you know the bubble's about to burst yeah you're talking about bubbles and market cycles and things like that and again you touched on this in your book and uh the, you talked earlier about decision making. So, um, how do you make decisions, John? How, you know, what what sort of inputs do you take you know, to make, well, for example, know the area? Really, the three unbreakable rules. To be honest with you, they're the they're, they're, they're the three they're the three things that we stick to. I stick mm-hmm. to. Um, you know, of course. I mean, if you're buying if you're buying in an area that you know is going to have a new sta- railway station or it's going to have a new new school or, or new shopping center or some, something like that, then obviously you can anticipate a little bit. But I mean, in the, in the, in 2000, before 2008, all the big house builders were anticipating a growth of an extra 10% a year. So what they were doing, they were buying land um, on next year's prices, if you like. They were pricing it in where they which, growth. Yeah, which yeah. is very, very dangerous game. And don't yeah. ever, ever do, don't anyone ever, ever do that. Mm-hmm. You know what? If it doesn't work, you can't put a square peg into a round hole. Don't do it. Walk yeah. away. Be brave enough to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah, really yeah. Is, is good and helpful advice. And um, but maybe along the, the four decades that you've been along, I get you. I guess you've got a story or two. Um, highs and lows, successes and failures. Got any stories you'd like to share? Oh, with? crikey! There's always there's, there's always. I mean, I mean, I think one of my my first real successes was was the tab like I told you about in Ipswich in 19, 1986. Um, uh, oh, lows, goodness. Um, just trying to think. There's been, there's obviously been a few, you know, you show me a property developer that hasn't made, hasn't made a, a loss and I'll show you a liar, you know. Um, it, it's not an exact science. Things, things can go
So we're at five times at the moment. We've got a fantastic interest rate, I know, and that's what's helping everyone. We've also got the Help to Buy scheme, which is a fantastic scheme the government brought in, 10 billion Help to Buy, 10 billion pounds available to help people. That's sort of masking the, masking the market a little bit as well, probably. So if Labour get in, we've got big, big problems straight away. If Labour don't get in and we have a Tory, another Tory government, which I believe and hope we will, then I think we've got probably three years before I would be a little bit cautious and concerned. And that's more from a developer point of view or just across the board? Uh, more from a developer point yeah. of view. I think if you're investing uh, and you've got a good income, your income isn't going to go down particularly. Um, the, prop- the value of property might go down, but your income won't go down. Yeah. So as long as the banks are happy to stick with you, uh, even though the, the ratio of your loan to value ratio is, is lower, then you know renting is a fairly safe bet, isn't it? Bit boring, but fairly you know, bit boring. But it depends what you want. Yeah. Um, and probably the truth is you want a balance. Like I've got a balance, and most people, uh, you know, um, have got a balance of any who've got any any size portfolios, haven't they? So, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with buying and selling, and there's nothing wrong with investing. No, but both probably is the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just also getting a bit, bit conscious of your time, John. I don't want to take too much of it. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's good. Thank you. No, what, what are maybe starting to wind up? Um, I'm going to maybe yeah. ask if you could mention how people could connect with you if they want to. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of you, Richard. Yeah. yeah. So if you go to johnhowardpropertyexpert.co.uk, I'm, I'm, you know, my seminars. I'm not doing many seminars across the UK this year because I'm, I'm busy doing my own developments, but. Um, any that I have got will be on there. I've got one in Waltham Abbey on Monday, the July the 8th. Another one, I've got one in Norwich, September. I'll have another one in London as well in September as well, I'm sure. Manchester, Birmingham, um, so on. So I've got some, but not that many. Uh, most of them are um, about 10 to 12 people at the most. So we, we can go through in a day an awful lot of awful lot of information and we can dovetail them, dovetail them to a point to to what your issues are, what you're trying to achieve uh, individually, um, as well as helping each other in the group. So it's quite they're quite good fun. Um, I buy lunch uh, oh. as well. It's part of that, so it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> you get to listen to me for six hours. It's prob- prob- is probably not quite so good, but there we go. Um, and, and I'm also doing some property exhibitions um, in London and one in Manchester, I think, coming up. And um, my property elevator show, we just just filmed the last um, episode of that of the first series and uh, do property question time and I'm always available on property tribes to answer questions and uh, and other issues as well yeah and just say that so property, I'm fairly available property question time is on um, is on one of the TV channels property uh, TV yeah pro- it? it's on uh, channel 189 sort mm-hmm. of 9 o'clock at night normally but you can always record it if you're on a, a hot date or whatever <laughs> I like the sound of that well John, it's been fascinating. Uh, first of all, you know, getting to know you a little bit, reading your book, and chatting to you both on and off air. It's, it's been it's been really good. I think there's some gems in what you shared. And I'm, I'm thank you, Richard. Sure, I'm sure our audience is going to take are going to take away a lot from that. And you probably you might get more than ten or twelve lunches to pay for at some of your seminars. Who knows? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be delighted. I'll be delighted to. And Richard, it's a pleasure to to talk to you and meet you. And and thank you for uh, allowing me to speak today. Oh, you're more than welcome. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Well, I'm sure you'll agree that was uh, rather fascinating insights uh, that John was able to share with us. Uh, he took us right back, didn't he? Uh, four decades, 40 years. Um, uh, also started out as uh, at age 10, I think, helping his father in his state agency business. And certainly by the time he bought his first, uh, I was going to say his first birthday, on his 18th birthday, he bought his first property. Um, you know, he'd had quite a lot of experience by then, of course. Um, and it was significant, of course, that he had support, uh, in financial support from family, uh, not not as a gift, but uh, as an interest-bearing loan and, and and indeed a profit share when, when his mother supported him. And of course, he subsequently had, uh, I'm calling it sort of an angel an investment backer as well. So one of the keys to success was to get that kind of backing uh, and that experience and, and make a go of it right then. Obviously, he's been through quite a lot, survived the 92 recession, but learned a lot from it, as he as he puts it. I think that's quite an understated way of putting it. Quite diverse in his interests, you know, director of Cambridge United Football Club and a racing racing yard owner over the time. Uh, diversified, of course, into Auction House UK and uh, done lots and lots of developments, um, you know, some of which were quite substantial and indeed still are. I think he talked about the £26 million uh, project on Ipswich Waterfront, for example. He said it's over 3,500 properties have been traded over those four decades, so that's going some. Uh, he enjoys the development, but really looks at you know uh, portfolios and then breaking them down to make a profit. So I think the bigger deals really was the big takeaway there. Of course, his book is uh, Property and Investment for Newcomers, and I've read that. And uh, as we talked about on the show, if you get it directly from his website, which is uh, johnhowardpropertyexpert.co.uk, rather than Amazon, he'll get to keep a, a larger slug of the royalty. So that will help him out, I'm sure. Um, he's, uh, he also has his personal telephone number on the website, uh, which is also going to be in the show notes. And he talks about a 2% finder's fee for any deal introductions, um, which is pretty generous too. So by all means, look him up. Uh, there was a strong emphasis on um, minimizing time in the deal, which we spoke about, and being in control of the deal. That's whether you're buying or indeed selling. And we talked to a wide-ranging conversation about you know why high net worth investors still you know borrow money, um, uh, but surprisingly, in four decades, uh, certainly with conversion projects, he'd not seen one project that had been completed both on time and on budget which was uh, quite an illuminating fact, really, I suppose. Um, he, he doesn't sell lengthy training courses. I think he genuinely wants to give back. So look up for his seminars. I think he's still got some in, in September, if you want to check one of those out. Um, you know, I think uh, apart from the financial backing, uh, he has he had quite a lot of tips. When I started talking to him about advice and tips, there's quite a lot that came out. So don't quit the day job, uh, certainly not initially. Uh, make the right decisions at the right time. Um, making a profit is uh, is not a problem <laughs> as long as you understand how to make a profit and whether somebody makes a profit of you equally that's not a problem either. He talked about this idea of needing an angle didn't he and that uh, you know you need to find something to have an angle and then once people catch up you need to move on to the next angle so that's this this constant reinvention is what he alluded to so over the years he's reinvented himself in many many ways um, he talked about the idea of bigger deals. It's easy to make money on bigger deals. So he said if you buy five properties, you can make money in more more than one way, of course. Um, you know, got multiple exit options. So uh, something I'm discovering myself, of course, larger deals uh, give more opportunity, I find. And that's certainly what John was suggesting. 
um, uh, equally, you're dealing with different types of people, I suppose, at that end of the market. But I think most crucially, he talked about he's on what he calls the unbreakable rules, his unbreakable rules, uh, which just to recite them, if he can't resell it straight on after buying it for a profit, then he won't buy it in the first place. That's a property, of course. If he can't buy a property, refurb it and sell it with a profit afterwards, then he won't buy it. And if he can't buy it, refurb it, let it and refinancing it, uh, refinance it in such a way that he gets most of his money back out, he won't do that either. So they were the three uh, unbreakable rules that he has, which gives three multiple exits um, in three different ways and three different timelines, of course. He talked about the idea of having to be disciplined, of course, uh, sometimes sitting on your hands for quite a long time. So um, there are lots and lots that came together. I'm just trying to think if there's any other key points that uh, we really talk about that I want to share with you, uh, probably being a long game, of course. Um, and of course, he's been involved in lots of different income streams. He's, you know, uh, related to property. He's got the estate agency. In fact, he has two estate agency businesses, Auction House UK. He's a property trader. He's been on property development. He's got investments of his own. So there's multiple income streams there. Um, uh, all property related or mostly property related I guess we can add Cambridge United and the racing yard as non-property related income streams as well to that list and uh, he gave a few tips on uh, spotting recessions if you like and what to look out for from a government policy and political point of view uh, towards the end so um, talk, talk, you know, I guess in summary about having a balance of income and capital trading and investing so not just multiple in- income streams but different strategies as well within them Series of contacts are in the show notes. These websites, as I mentioned, is John Howard, propertyexpert.co.uk. His personal phone number's in there. I won't read it on air, as he didn't. And uh, that's it. But yeah, also, you can watch him on TV. He's on Sky, Sky TV. Um, he's on the Property Elevator show, which is kind of a Dragon's Den style. And Property Question Time, um, I think, I'm not sure they're both on, but certainly one's on Sky Channel 189. And you'll find him at Property Tribes as well, posting from time to time. So there we go. That's uh, what I wanted to share there. And I think it's, um, I think, I just want to say thanks to John, if you're listening, for for sharing today. But um, I'm recording this segment of the show uh, after 11 o'clock on a Tuesday evening as my podcast goes live at 6 a.m. on Wednesday. And the reason I'm doing that is I had a really busy day and my daughter was sat working with me today. And um, she left a few hours ago and she said, I'm not sure I want to work for myself. It seems like a lot of work. And we didn't really have time to talk about that um, in detail and follow on. But of course, the, uh, I have been working pretty hard. I was I was awake before six th- uh, today, and I'm going to go to bed quite considerably after midnight, probably at this rate, as I'm going to get the podcast uh, up and running for you to listen to in the first thing in the morning. And there's quite a lot of things happening in between. But I chose to do much of what I did today. That's the big difference. So I did choose to have an evening uh, seminar with some of my apprentices. Uh, I had a couple of hours on the phone when I'm talking about building out an integrated uh, content management or content marketing platform. And uh, there's quite a lot of uh, deal opportunities as well there. So I think it's been fun. It's been tiring, but it's been fun. But it's interesting when people look at it and view it from the outside. There's been other times where I've just been chilling. I've been able to go and travel. So I might have that conversation with my daughter, but just going back really and linking to what I'm saying about John and equally a lot of the property heavyweights, things don't land on a plate. You have to go out and work for this. And uh, I'll perhaps be capturing some of this, the essence of uh, my thoughts. I'm preparing an article for YPN magazine, um, something along the lines of the success of the one percenters. That's my working title. Whether that'll be the final title, I don't know. But I just thought I'd say that. 
um, because you know people perhaps get the wrong idea of what it's like to be in property. And there are periods of time where it is actually quite hard work. But I think it's very, very rewarding at the same time. And you do get a lot of flexibility and freedom of choice. So I will have a conversation with my daughter to make sure she has the right impression um, and didn't leave it just there. But that, needless to say, um, that's the end of the interview, certainly, for this series, the Property Heavyweight series. I plan to return next week with a kind of a summary and wrap up and some of my insights and learnings as we've gone along uh, the way. So please join me for that. But meanwhile, if you uh, want to talk about anything from today's show or just talk about property investing and developing more generally, you know, you can always email me at podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. I'd be very happy to hear from you. Of course, the show notes are going to be at the website, thepropertyvoice.net as well. Well, I guess all that's left to say, uh, late on a uh, uh, Wednesday, sorry, Tuesday evening, having polished off the glass of Mal- Malbec. Yes, Sean, I did. Um, uh, thanks very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, is Chacha. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.